This is The Difference, a podcast for nonprofit fundraising in a for-profit world, presented by Convergent Nonprofit Solutions, a leader in nonprofit fundraising. Convergence professionals can help your nonprofit secure sustainable funding now and for the future. Hello, this is Jay Worth with Convergent. Our guest is Dan Rogers, a Convergent colleague of mine. We were introduced through a mutual Convergent colleague, both the colleague and Dan were CEOs for nonprofits in the social services sector, namely what most of us would call homeless shelters. Is that an acceptable nomenclature, homeless shelters, or is there a better way uh, to describe? Well, that's a really challenging uh, question because in a lot of ways where we are right now as, frankly, a massive humanitarian crisis in the United States, Homeless doesn't really cover anymore uh, the complexities, sophistication of what's happening on the streets of major and even minor cities. Uh, When you look up and down the West Coast, for example, from San Diego all the way to Seattle, it's a massive, massive uh, humanitarian crisis. But homeless itself, I mean, as a term and as a function, I mean, is more than 120 years old when you think that really the impetus of what you and I face, which is where soup kitchens came from as a term, where shelters came from as a term, really started at the apex of the Dust Bowl. And then that rolled into the uh, crash market, uh, the stock market crash rolled into World War II, veterans returned, shell-shocked kids, had no business seeing what they saw. And then now all of a sudden, 100 years later or more, Uh, We are using, I think, to your question, uh, the wrong term to describe what it is we're looking at. So what's a better term? What what would you use? Because we're we're always looking to conveniently shortcut uh, terminology just to make it easier to communicate. I will tell you, I mean, I'm sorry to give you a complex answer. I'll, I'll be as uncomplex as I can, but... Uh, I think it first starts, now this is absolutely my opinion in about 25 years being in the industry itself. I'm an advocate right now for trying to get the word home out of homeless. Because uh, on one hand, which is a very detrimental hand side of it, is uh, we've spent trillions of dollars even in the last decade from California to New York. Trillions of dollars on that one word, Jay, home. And somehow in the middle of this humanitarian crisis, we have been stuck now for almost 100 years that the problem that we're facing on the street is surely a shelter problem. That is absolutely a home problem. That's what we're convinced of. But in reality, if I came into your living room uh, missing an arm and and I was uh, without care, without bandage, uh, not the first thing you would say is, you know what Dan needs? A home. He needs that. No, you would be dealing with my humanitarian crisis. You'd be dealing with the issues that uh, I'm facing. If we were talking to someone experiencing domestic violence, we, that's not the first thing we would say. They need shelter. When, in fact, domestic violence happened during shelter. The reality is we're, we're stuck on this word home, and we keep chasing a very elusive solution to a very now sophisticated and complex problem. Uh, I'm not entirely sure the right word, but I would say if from this point forward, we only use the word or the term humanitarian crisis, 
I think we could focus our efforts and focus our funding. Humanitarian crisis, and that, as you just alluded to, uh, takes several forms, several mm-hmm. shapes, from health, mental health, ability to uh, eat every day. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a, it, it covers a gamut. Interesting work that you were a part of for 25 years or so. Uh, tell us about your personal journey into the, into the world of humanitarian help. You know, I grew up in a very troubled neighborhood, uh, not unlike a lot of people. Grew up in poverty, a lot of crime, uh, a very disconnected family. On my own, Jay, since I was 14 years old, literally, I tell people I put myself through junior high, I put myself through high school, I put myself through, high, through college. That is not unlike a lot of stories uh, that you see in America. But that was the beginning and the formation of my years and the beginning and the formation of eventually what I would remember later in career. How I got into leadership or even service inside the humanitarian world, I, was, uh, I had a chance to do some teaching in India. Uh, so I was a guest lecturer in a few colleges out on the, uh, in Eastern India. And one thing led to another over the course of a few years and I landed in a leper colony doing some uh, field instruction for field workers. And by the way, no one says, you know what I want to do in the next year? I want to be a field worker training in a leper colony in Northeast India. Like you don't start that with a goal. I, at least I, I didn't even know that was even a possible goal. But I landed there and the amount of lack of awareness that I was possessing was left in the dirt of those leper colonies. I came back from those multiple experiences over, over the course of a few years uh, completely molecularly changed. I mean, like a whole DNA shift inside of me. When I got back from India one year, one of my friends had just started as the CEO of a local in my own hometown, which was Toledo, Ohio. A, a rescue mission as a CEO uh, needed some grassroots work kind of done in volunteerism. So I signed on with him to do like just a small stint to help him get started. And that uh, landed 20 years of work. That eventually led me to uh, almost 20 years of uh, being an executive leadership in that organization, then watching it grow from a very small organization to a multi-million dollar uh, organization with a ton of great people. Well, now you're, uh, in a sense, on the other side of the desk, uh, working with Convergent as a consultant yeah. to nonprofits, yeah. uh, coaching them on how to raise money effectively. Uh, what are your observations from that other side of the desk? Uh, do you find yourself, I would imagine, in a better position to give counsel just through your experiences? That's what I hope to bring to these conversations, Jay, right? Is I have sat on the other side of that desk and I've listened to a million consultants and I've listened to a million ideas and pitches, if you'll say, on how to accomplish what I was getting ready to or wanting to accomplish. I can only speak from what motivates me now are the what would become partners with me and helping me raise funds and diversify my organization, helping me think through uh, service strategies and innovation were uh, organizations or people that were willing to not sell me a package, but actually roll up their sleeves and get involved in what I was doing. It was growing so fast, Jay. I didn't have time to stop what I was doing to listen to what somebody else thought I should be doing. But I had a lot of time, if you could bring your expertise as a partner, sit with me once a week, once a month at my table and see what I'm doing and give me 
uh, help from within. And that's what I try to bring. And, and frankly, that's one of the reasons I love Convergence so much is because that's what we offer. We don't offer a from the sidelines approach to helping people diversify their funding portfolios. But I like to use uh, the term uh, player coach. We're mm -hmm. actually on the field and working alongside the um, uh, organizations that we hope to serve and hope to get better. Fundraising for nonprofits in the social services sector, I would guess, come with a distinct set of challenges. Uh, what have you found or what do you think they are? I think the biggest challenge facing nonprofits is for decades and decades, Jay, and you would know this as well in your own work, nonprofits have not been called upon to produce results. Not really. We really have been uh, vetted and accepted for what you and I would call an output. How many meals did we serve? How many people got a meal? How many people got a uh, connection to uh, service? None of those are outcomes. All of those things are outputs. And by the way, they're not unimportant issues. They're very important issues. But the investor community over the last decade has become more sophisticated and largely more sophisticated because of the sophistication of the nonprofit themselves. And so our investor community uh, has learned to expect more and frankly want to see more of outcome. In the world of rescue missions, for example, most investors are, are not interested in how many meals I served, which was somewhere in the neighborhood of 9,000 a day, by the way, Jay, uh, at our apex, which is no small feat. Um, but major investors were not so much interested in that. They were wowed by it, but not interested in it. What they were interested in was what outcome in a human life did that meal produce? So if we serve someone in their humanity uh, and in their hunger, what's next? Or was the proposition or the value proposition back to the investor that for generation after generation after generation, our only goal in life was to feed people. There is nothing wrong with that at the face. The troubles that uh, nonprofits are facing right now is that we have essentially been given a hall pass on outcomes. And now executives and teams and boards are having to retool to start working on outcomes. Just to take your example, if you're well fed, then you have the ability to go to a class. You're not battling, where does my next meal come from? And worry about correct. You know, or my family, if I have a family and they're receiving assistance as well as I am. Well, you can, you can also, you're right, Jay, you can also look at this from a parent-child perspective, right? If the parent in this case was the nonprofit and the child was the person being served in their humanity, no parent worth their salt believes that their only goal in that child's life is to provide a meal. That meal is leading to tying your own shoes. That meal is leading to personal and physical strength. That meal is leading to uh, a well-nourished stomach so they can go to bed on time, so they can rise up, so they can get stronger. So meals, I've often said, are a great place to start, but they are a horrible place to stay. One of the things that I've noticed in my work with uh, nonprofits, is, and you've used the term investors, and I guess anyone who's listened to this podcast has probably heard that we, Convergent, prefer the term investor to that of yes. donor words are important and donor means something vastly different than investor uh, a donor doesn't necessarily intone that they want anything back so it was a charitable donation 
investor su suggests that there's a return on their investment. And in the social sector, the nonprofit sector, there is an opportunity in today's market to make the case for social investment, to make the case for a return on their social investment. So what is the social return on investment? And I would say to nonprofit leaders today, make the economic development case, make the social economic development case that for every life that you help in their humanity get better, that means you are entering somebody into the workforce, entering somebody in the marketplace. They're now a taxpaying citizen. The city gets better in taxation. The community begins to get better because not only is that a sustainable idea, Jay, it's a scalable idea. And what is sustained can be scaled. And the unfortunate thing is most nonprofits aren't thinking about sustainability. And as a result, they're not thinking about scalability. That is now facing, I think, all executives and nonprofits in some form or fashion or another. And I believe that either executives and boards are getting ahead of it or like in all of us, it presents itself and you can't do anything but change. Convergent Nonprofit Solutions provides advice, comes alongside our clients to raise their sights about their ability to raise money. So what are your tips or strategies to be most effective to raise the maximum amount of dollars possible? Yeah, I would say to executives, as I said to myself when I was an executive, where are the business metrics and how can I think like if I'm running, how would I be thinking if I was running a for-profit business? And what would I be thinking if I was running a factory of sorts that was producing X? If I wanted to diversify my funding portfolio, I would first diversify my service portfolio. In other words, in business, I would I would open a new line of business. I would open a new line of product where nonprofits can find their edge in today's marketplace is put all of your innovation into opening new lines of service. With every new line of service, there is an investor waiting for you to tell them something brand new, waiting for you to say, hey, we're going to take the next year. And we're going to experiment into this innovation that's going to result in economic development. For example, that is a statement that is going to attract a certain investor that would not have been attracted any other way. Unfortunately, sometimes nonprofits are trying to grow their funding portfolio without changing or improving upon their service portfolio. So there's nothing really new for the community at large to look at. So it's the same message year after year after year. And as a nonprofit leader, if you constantly put out the same message year after year after year, it's like that encyclopedia set uh, collecting dust up on your shelf, right? They've read it. Like they know what's inside a P. They get it. Diversification of how we begin to innovate and service provide inside of the humanitarian sector is always the quickest way to diversify and grow your funding portfolio. Wouldn't you agree that perhaps repositioning what has been a long time service. Yeah. It's not necessarily new, but if you're repositioning yeah. it, here the, are the outcomes, not just That's the exactly outputs. Right. And that return can be psychic. It could be, of course, economic development related, as you so aptly put it. You've given us some really good pointers, tips, you, Thank strategies you. on how to best effectively raise money in the social services sector. Our guest, Dan Rogers, a valued colleague of mine with Convergent Nonprofit Solutions. And we thank you for being our guest, Dan. Thank you, Jay. It's been a great being with you today. 
For more information and best practices in fundraising, click on the resource tab on the homepage of convergentnonprofit.com. That's convergentnonprofit.com. Thanks for listening.